Hey everybody, Superfan Giovanni here. Welcome to Classic Love Line, episode 490 from August 14th, 1997, a Thursday night show. The guest tonight is Dwight Yoakam, and a note about the most recent uh, string of episodes, it does skip ahead from episode 479 with Rick Ocasek of the Cars to episode 487. The episodes in between, again, are lost, or only partial form, not enough to actually release at this point. We do have nearly the entire month of September 1997. I think we're missing just one show which I might still be able to find somehow. Hold out hope. We'll see very soon. On this episode, Dwight Yoakam is making his classic Loveline debut, at least of the Adam Carolla era, but it seems like it's his first Loveline appearance in general. Adam starts the show by bringing up some off-air corrections he gave Drew about some information he gave out four months ago. Drew seems a bit flustered. Dwight joins him right at the top of the show. None of the first break nonsense. And Adam tells him about listening to Under the Covers three times in a row while doing some construction work today. And unlike the last time he told that to a musical guest, he doesn't go running out of the studio like Nina from the Cardigans. And Dr. Drew mocks Adam for not being able to open the cellophane on CDs, which Adam follows up nicely with an uncomfortable moment with Dwight right off the bat, regarding the model who appears on the album art. All in all, great show. Adam and Dwight do have a chemistry, though he rarely guests on Adam's programs. Dwight may have one follow-up visit on Classic Love Line in the year 2000. We'll see when we get there. After that, he appeared on Adam Kroll's morning show in 2008 and has guested on Adam's podcast in 2012 and 2013, thanks to David Wilde. As per usual, this was recorded in 1997, so my medical advice may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Cathwood on Current Day Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. Mahalo and get on. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. May contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yes, it is true. Drew. Yeah. Put away all outside reading materials. Uh, Stow it fine. under the desk. Hold on. Please. All right. Oh, for Christ's sake. Drew's on a mission. Right. I told him he was wrong about some information he spouted off about uh, four months ago, and he's been a man possessed ever since. Okay. Phone number for Loveline 1 800 LOVE 191. Fax number 310. 310- 854-4455. I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Drew. He is a board-certified physician and addiction medicine specialist. Not the love doctor, not your buddy, not that psychologist guy on the radio. Just a uh, good old MD, Dr. Drew. Tonight, our guest is the great Dwight Yoakam. Hi, Dwight. Not a uh, love doctor. No. A specialist. Oh, but but not not it's not the, on a mic either. Good old hillbilly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm oh, there you go. The, the mic screwed up over here. It was, it was, I saw the engineer stand up in a panic. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Right, well. We have quite a crack staff over here. Sometimes they forget to heat up the mics before the show. There we go. Yeah. Am I back yet? Yes, yeah. you are here. All right. You're here to talk about. Yours is loud. Well, you're here to. Uh, you're the host. That's okay. You're here to help out. Okay. But you're here to talk about under the covers, which I heard three times in a row today. Really. And loved. Really? Yes. Well, three times or only the last time? Because three times. No. Three times straight through. Really? Yes. I was tiling my bathroom floor. I couldn't do that at this point with that album. I couldn't listen three times straight. <laughs> I thought he meant tile the bathroom well, I had a wet well, saw going most of the time. But, uh, <laughs> no, I put it uh, three times in a row straight through and loved it all three times. Well, thank you. Then On I crushed the it and threw and it away. Myself, no. Or, oh. Yeah. Adam, how'd you get out of the CD box? CD container. Uh, it came. I got. I got one that was already. It uh, didn't have the uh, cellophane on. Ah, it. But you have. Uh, I have difficulty getting oh, the cellophane okay. oh, they, off. They, they shipped you a like a, that's like a promo. You don't have all the. Uh, 
No, somebody had the, the uh, somebody art. had the other one. The, yeah, this one, right? Stuff and credits. Oh, yeah, you got that. Yeah, where you're rolling you around with no, this no. Uh, this um, heroin addict <laughs> underneath uh, oh, some man. sheets. Well, come on, oh. she's a little squinny, Dwight. Yeah, but I don't think it has anything <laughs> to do with any kind of substance. Let me abuse. tell you about these. Fact, in that models. case, I know. I know this person and this oh, mom, and she's not... Okay. Yeah. All right. No. I didn't mean to cast dispersions well, you, uh, upon her. Certainly. You didn't she's mean. quite lovely, as far as I can tell from her, uh, from actually, where the boot ends and her knee begins. I'm I'm sure you didn't mean to. You, you almost certainly did cast dispersions here for a moment. All right. I take it but back for you, Dwight. Don't take it A back. lesser star would not apologize, no, well, to, but for you... Yeah, flattery gets you. For the man who knows <laughs> no boundaries musically. I was listening to this... You? Uh, no, I'm talking about oh, you. Okay. They're all covers, Drew. And some of them, quite frankly, are songs that I hated in the first place. I'm gathering Drew hasn't heard the album. No, Drew, uh, Drew doesn't even know who you are, believe me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> believe me, I could go... That's a segue. I could dig Jimi well, Hendrix up and put him here. Fortunately for all of us, that's not who I am. But <laughs> All right. Now, Drew, relax for a yeah, second fine. over there. I'm you know Dwight Yoakam, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Here's the situation. Let me compliment the album for just one second, please. Okay. Uh, some of the songs were not songs I knew of uh, probably, if there's 12 of them on there, I probably knew 10 of them. Hmm. And some of them, like that Sonny Bono song. You hated. Don't go. I, this is the worst song this, I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. But you made it good. You couldn't hear the shuffle in it. You worked it. Until we massaged it a little bit. And Here Comes the Night sounded great. Thank you. We had fun doing that. How do you pick those fun. songs? Because like Just, uh, it was, you know what it it was an outgrowth of um, playing different songs in clubs, you know, over the years, and then uh, going back through our collective memory. Uh, Pete Anderson, the producer, and myself, um, our collective memories, and uh, talking about material that we liked, that we had heard, that we thought we could put a different twist or spin on, and I mean the Kinks track. It was an outgrowth of uh, my uh, wanting to sing kind of a big band right. uh, a swing song. And we had talked about doing Up a Lazy River. And there's a Bobby Darren version of that that I'd heard. But I'd also heard a Louis Prima version that was really jacked up and, and, and swinging. And Pete and I discussed that. And we were talking about doing that song until one evening he called in kind of a... Uh, having an epiphany, I guess, about the kinks, and said, you know, the swing song we should do is Tired of Waiting. And I said, do you but said, you remember that song? I said, yeah, but it's not, I don't It's not a swing song. Yeah. And so we got in rehearsal and started working it and uh, found that it would, you know, even bring about, I think, more intrigue to well, uh, what well, we it, were doing. Well, it's kind of cool because, uh, like I said, if I was an artist, if I had any talent at all, my first, if I was going to do a cover album, I would listen and pick out my 12 favorite songs of all time and just go ahead and do them. But like, uh, like we were talking about, that um, Tired of Waiting for You, King's song, is not a particular favorite of mine, and uh, Please Don't <laughs> Go. And there's, there's like half these songs I hate, but they sound great right. because uh, he put a stink on them, Drew. And this is the mark of a true artist. Yeah, they want to play um, uh, that one I hate, which is, <laughs> but you make well, it good. And, yeah. You want to hear? They want to uh, play "Baby Don't Go." I want to hear "Here Comes the Night" uh, okay. personally or Claudette, but uh, yeah. you know that's just me. Okay, I'm just we'll a national later. radio host. Uh, what do later. I know? All right, we will. Actually, Cheryl helps a lot in making that good too on that. Oh, she's singing backup in. Yeah, it. she Cheryl came Crow. in and sang, and and uh, it was pretty sultry. I mean, she dropped into a, you know it was, it's a, a lower register, and uh, it it. Uh, 
it, it worked, and I was I was really flattered that she would do it with us. Well, do you want to, uh, and you want to uh, play it now, and then uh, maybe uh, later on we can hear uh, "Here Comes the Night" or uh, Claudette. Okay. Or don't play anything. No, no, no. We'll play. We're pl- we're pluggers. Don't worry There's about a room it. Dwight. People in there. All right. Uh, Under the covers is the name of the CD. Dwight Yoakam is the name of the artist, and this one is called "Baby Don't Go." Dwight and Cheryl Crow. Dwight Yoakam off of Under the Covers and a little help from Cheryl Crow there. Baby, don't go. The uh, old, uh, oh, this, uh, see, look, it sounded great, right? But it, it sounded great. I, I don't know it as a Sonny and Cher song. It just sounded you great don't. to me. Yeah. Listen, Sonny Bono, I've been watching the reruns of the Sonny I and Cher show. I think the harmonica got to you or something. Because the show, the groove was there to hear. It was just, I, maybe it was just, I don't know. But it, it, took, a, it took a pro <clears throat> to flush it out. Actually, Cher sings the body of the song on their record. It's 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 sung from the female's point of view. It's like, I never had a I never you know I had a mother. I hardly knew my dad. I've been in town for eighteen years. And you're the only boy I've had. And then Sonny kind of comes along there at the chorus. So we kind of split. I I sang it, and and uh, telling her story, you know, and she would insert, you know, as if Cheryl would come in. Are you friends with Cheryl Crow? Yeah. And you just That's said, came, yeah, I mean, it you just came up. Her and we her? actually bumped into each other and and, and uh, at, at the Grammys, and it came up there and, and oh. I, about doing something together. And I True. Said, Did you, you ever know, bump into anyone at the Grammys? <laughs> Every time I go, I bumped into some security trying to get into the Grammys, but uh, never actually bumped into anyone at the Grammys. Oh, what a life you lead! All right, Drew, we'll get to the calls. When Drew smacks <laughs> the uh, marks a lot board, it's time it means to it's go. Time to go. To the it's phone. It's like things are. It's kind of tedious at this point. We need no, to go on. Tedious. Adam will go on all night, and we'll never get to our callers. Hello? They want to talk to you, Dwight. Seamus. Hello? Hey, you're ni- you're uh, 17. Yes, I am. Hey, I had a challenge for you, Adam. Mm-hmm. I wanted to challenge you to uh, see how many how many uh, names you can come up for the female breast and how many names you can come up for your Johnson. All right, what's your question? Five bucks and you got a month. Seamus, what's your question? I got to apologize for our listeners, yes. Dwight. That's right. Dwight's a very big star. He doesn't want no. to hear me wax hey, on about my what? Johnson for 45 minutes. I've heard the show, so I'm not <laughs> shocked. Seamus, <laughs> what can we do for you? Oh, I had a question for you also, Dr. Yeah, Drew. what's going on? Um, I'm a little bit overweight. I, I would say I'm, what, 17, about 5'11", and uh, I, don't, I have a question about my metabolism, you know. What do you think? And I weigh like 216 pounds or so. Uh-huh. You think I, you think that's like normal body weight or? It's a little up, but not not bad. Let, me, body let me explain the whole normal body weight thing. If you take your shirt off in front of the mirror and you look like crap, <laughs> then it's time to lose weight. Well, that would be the definitive. Or if you feel, if you feel like crap. I ride like five to seven miles to work every yeah, day. Yeah, because Mike Tyson is five eleven and and two eighteen. Right. But he's looking all right. right. Yeah. 
Right. Except for that big uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh tattoo he has. I on mean, you're not own. you're not over, you're not in any kind of medical problem. I suspect why your blood pressure is okay and you're otherwise yeah. well. I mean, yeah. Just uh, you know, watch your fat intake, uh, take your calories down, and exercise. All right, right. Seamus. I have one other thing for the, on the, the questions have been just scintillating so far. Yeah, so thank keep, God keep we hurried to the phones. Yes, Drew. good instinct. Yeah. <laughs> Dwight. Yeah. Um, I love your music, man, and uh, a lot of my friends tell. I a lot of my friends uh, like your music too because you know it's like kind of rock and roll, and it's not like. Uh, All right. What's his name? I can't think of his name. A one two. Uh, you know, time I shoe, what have you? Whoever that was. Uh, it's yeah. not Sonny Bono. <laughs> wow! No, I think it's like Adam. All right, do something. Thank you. All right, sorry, we got rid of right. Siemens. I'm that's sorry I didn't endure that. Joint. That's our. Hey, we'll uh, Lee. Yes. What can we do guys, for you? Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Okay. Uh, I enjoy your show a great deal. I just want to make a little comment. I've been hearing, and maybe it's, I've just been picking it up a lot more recently, <laughs> but a lot of your calls are. Um, so where is the father? Uh, well, dad's not at home. Oh, see, there you go. You know, the father's not there. I am divorced. I would love to see my son. Um, my ex-wife has made it real tough. It got to the point that I actually moved out of town. I live about an hour away. Yeah, but but we have, there are two different points of view you're, you're sort of putting together here that we offer. One is that not having a father around impacts the child's development. That's one point you made. And the other is there are a lot of wayward fathers out there. Two different issues. I deal with a lot of the wayward fathers in my line of work. I understand, too. but your your placement is all right. We got yeah. our, but but it, but in your case, it's just the fact that you can't be part of the child's life, and it's going to impact on them. I mean, your wife is doing your children a their, her children a huge disservice. Yeah, but most of the callers we get are dads that stayed around just long enough to um, sexually molest or beat or, or get drunk and vomit on their kids before they left. That's where most of the damage comes. Is your number listed? No. Okay. Pardon me? <laughs> Why, are you going to call me? No, I'm just... I'll give it to you, <laughs> These <Dwight>. guys, uh, <laughs> most of your callers. Lee. Oh, yes. So, uh, you're a cop? Yeah. And you cannot see, you don't have visitation for your child? Yes, I do. And we're going to have to end up going back to court to rehash this out. My visitation is every other weekend mm. and two weeks in the summer. Well, just take it... Uh, and, and, you know, and, use and it as full as you can. It's real frustrating because I currently have a girlfriend who is divorced, and she has a son, oh, and her ex-husband doesn't want to see her kid at all. Oh, stay together. Families, stay together if you can. But, but Lee, I mean, you, well, we you were know, together for, for eight years trying to make it work, and it just didn't pan out. You said you deal with a lot of the wayward fathers. What are you seeing out there? Oh, I see a lot of... I get a lot of calls on intoxicated fathers, and I show up. What's going on? So this I never cops. see my kids. So is this why you're drinking? Yeah. Well, I talked to your children, and they said the reason they're not coming is because you drink too much. Oh, right. that's not it. Um, I'll see huge acts of violence, and it's, well, what's bringing this on? I'm mad at my ex-wife, or I can't see my, my kids, or something on that line. Hey, Lee, don't yeah. you think if more people smoked pot instead of drank, we'd live in a better society? See, this is my opinion. I would much rather go up against somebody that's been smoking pot than someone who's been drinking. Liquor right. uh, is a dangerous thing. And, and, and I that's agree. Right. And even Thank I, you, Drew. even I agree with that. However, the cost to the individual who's using is still quite substantial. Uh, not, the cost to society may be a little less. All right, but not getting your ass kicked uh, with a police baton is understand. A, and is, not hurting is somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, not hurting somebody else. More importantly, right? You think you think uh, alcohol is worse than uh, marijuana? Yes. In terms of people acting oh, wait, out. Wait a minute. Are Alcohol we, is worse than marijuana. Right. Yes. What do you think is worse for your system? Uh, 
It's debatable. It depends on how you. Okay. How you okay. All right. So you don't have a point, Michelle. No, I'm, I'm saying it's not. It's it's it may be actually good for society, but it's bad for the individual still. Yeah, but it's better than that individual boozing. I'm I'm it's not saying society. it's one or the. No, I'm, I'm saying it's same. one or the other. It's about the same. All right. You lost Michelle. Michelle. Sorry. She just hung up on you. Oh, boy, we're off to flying stuff. You're trying to impress the, the Dwight here, and you've just failed. Well, you but you're entertaining me you anyway. What are you talking about? You know, I, th I saw Sling Blade, and I thought it was extremely uh, <clears throat> illustrative of this very issue. Well, I mean, now who's so kissing ass? No, I really thought it was so accurate in terms of uh, just sort of describing that kind of abusive situation. It was really accurate. Yeah, he wrote it without, without I think, succumbing to many of the cliches that was, surround was, the issue. He, you know, he, he was knew it. Flatly, he understood it. He knew yeah, it. He'd been there or do some people or something. Actually, on, I think on the video version, he put some things back in, some scenes, or at least as additional footage at the end of the, of the, of the film. He, he put uh, some scenes that were cut out that actually give further insight into the relationship because there were some people that would question as to why the woman was with this character. And there were moments where he could be very charming. Oh, yeah, always. Doyle oh, abusers yeah, are always. Exact, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I tried to, uh, the place that I stepped onto the role in terms of having any kind of, uh, um, not an affinity for him, but, but uh, an empathy for it, the character, was when I read the, 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 the uh, part of the, the film or the part of the script where he was at the door and he got up, remember, and the kid yeah. hurled all the stuff at him. Back, and yeah. He kind of stood back up yeah. off the floor. And said, "Okay, all right, I'm going to leave," and he and he admits in that moment all the things that he's doing yeah. that are, that that he knows are like he says aren't right. Yeah. The problem with Doyle and that character, and with many uh, individuals like Doyle, is that even though he knows what he's doing is is not right, he doesn't have it. any way of. He he does he can't intellectually no. comprehend how to arrest. There there is no intellectual way to do it. Yeah. And evidently, and what you can bet is that somebody like that person, that happened to him. Oh, so that's where we. When I worked it originally, my my coach, we both approached it from that standpoint. That the the malice he expressed was an outgrowth of probably far greater malice that he had been subjected to. Right. In other words, um, this abuser cycle, was yeah. abused at some point in his which, uh, his life. Yeah, which doesn't well. forgive his abuse, but no. it certainly... No, but it is, it, is, it is funny that on this show we will talk to, in the same night, oftentimes just uh, separated by a call or two, somebody who's being victimized at the age of you know, 12, 13, 14 years old and have complete sympathy for that person. Then the next call will be a guy who's 22, 23... Anne is victimizing someone, and we want this guy hung up by his toes. You're out knocking him off. It's the same. Yeah, I call in an airstrike sometimes. <laughs> uh, the point is, is it's the same person ten years later. Yeah. Most times. Yeah, it's, it's he, pathetic. But it's not sad. only intellectually, Drew, what I was going to was that he also, I, the way I felt in playing him was that he didn't emotionally have... Resources. The, yeah. The resources. He didn't, exactly, yeah. the resources to, to cope with... with uh, his behavior and to change it. He knew it was wrong. He couldn't change it. It was Didn't great how to change the it. way this movie worked, too, because um, as uh, you know, if you listen to the show, uh, you heard me say that I did this project with John Ritter that... Uh, <laughs> It's, right, it's on the air now, except for neither one of us it, are it on. It ranks up there with Slingblade, I want you to know. Oh, it's, shut up. <laughs> Listen, I, I was trying to make a buck here. The point is this. I did a thing with John Ritter where we flew to uh, Florida for a weekend, um, had some gay sex, and came back. <laughs> and the whole time, Slingblade never came up. And this is a couple months after Slingblade, I believe, had at least been released, technically. 
It's just the word of mouth hadn't, hadn't caught on yet. Right. He was walking up and down through the airport. It's Jack Tripper. You know, no one gave a, a rat's hiney about Sling Blade, and it was just some months later, and it slowly, slowly crept up. Just pure word of mouth. Never saw, you know, a, a, a bus stop ad for it or anything like that. And it's really kind of a, a tribute to the movie. And it's nice to know that when there's good work out there, uh, it, it, it does work, yeah, and people, people do appreciate well, it. Well, I think, I, think I think part of its success was um, uh, due to the fact that we were kind of in oblivion down there doing it uh, in 95, whenever we shot it. Nobody cared about it then, so they, l they left Billy Bob alone to his right. own devices as a director, as a writer, as, as an actor. And the upshot of it was that that movie was, you know, the, the final product right, of, it his, of it, his brilliance. It must not have cost that much to make. I don't know if no, you know well, what the budget was. It, yeah, it was less than a million dollars. We were down mm. there, for, I think, $950,000 and whatever. But it was, yeah, it was, again, I think because of that, that nobody really came down and meddled in right. the process. They didn't try to make, the him, shooting make, him, gallery, make a movie. Right. The little company that made it with him, the shooting gallery, uh, really... Uh, Gave him full control, right, and and allowed him to you know to make the movie oh, he saw in his head. Thank God the uh, the Hollywood brass did not step in and decide that uh, Dwight, you're out. Charlie Sheen, you're <laughs> in. And we're going to work a car chase in through town, or at least a high speed lawnmower chase. Well, actually, we did drive away in my pickup, and that's back in the video, and and I think the video version, but uh, with no chase involved in it. All right, Dwight Yoakam is here. Dwight Yoakam will be here when we <laughs> come back, and uh, maybe even Doctor Drew. Tomorrow on NBC, last summer's hit comedy, Undateable, returns with pop star Bridget Mendler as the new girl. Hi, I'm gay. Oh, I had no idea because all of my gay friends are in great shape. She's totally unfiltered. Your name is easy to remember because when we met based off of your clothing and the way you rub my shoulders, I thought for sure you were a lesbian. Leslie! Undateable returns with new cast member Bridget Mendler, followed by the premiere of One Big Happy from Ellen DeGeneres. Tomorrow after The Voice on NBC. Hey y'all, Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm here. The Art of Charm is packed with wisdom in the truest sense of the word, from how to become more productive and professional to how to meet and attract women and manage relationships. We talk about how to create confidence, how to get people to like and trust you, productivity, time management, biohacking, and more. This is a show that offers meaningful, fun, life-changing insights with a practical edge so listeners can apply something right out of the box every show, every day. So come hang with us here on The Art of Charm podcast and start crushing it today. To the show. Floating towards the... Dwight Yoakam is here. We're all, uh, yes, we're all floating toward the white light here that is Love Line. <laughs> yeah, the Fo white light. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455. Adam Kroll is Dr. Drew. Dwight Yoakam. Under the Covers is the name of uh, the latest CD, and I give it a big thumbs up, and it's back to the phones we go. Rick, you're 18. Uh, yes, I have a question for... Or, um, Dwight Yoakam? Uh-huh. Hi, Rick. Uh, yes, how did you get brought up into the movie Sling Blade? I thought it was an excellent movie. Uh, thank you. Uh, the writer, director, and lead actor, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, had, uh, seen, this is chronologically out of order, but he'd, he'd seen, uh, a movie that I was in, uh... Red Rock West? No, Roswell. Mm. Speaking of 
move toward the light. And uh, I did that for Showtime. Uh, it was directed by a man named Jeremy Kagan, and I'd done that a, about a year before uh, I met Billy on Sling Blade. And uh, he uh, knew somebody that was uh, that we, we were both uh, involved with a couple of projects with mutually, and it came up uh, that they knew me, and he said, "God, could I, you know, could you hook me up with him?" And I then watched. And they told me what he was interested in, and I watched uh, the short that he had done. He had did. A, he had a one man. Show it was actually just a mo- it was an outgrowth of that early monologue that he was doing on stage, and it was done as a short uh, a couple of years before he did the feature. And I saw that and was just completely fascinated by this character and what the backstory would probably unfold uh, as being uh, when he told it as a feature film. Do you know Billy Bob uh, uh, well now? Well, now th- we've we've uh, that uh, our working together on Sling Blade has evolved into a. a uh, a friendship. I know that this may be a little out of line, but do you think you could get him to do that voice for my outgoing phone <laughs> message? I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Let me ask a question. Yeah, he could. He where, could where did he get the idea for the character? You know? He said, and, and, and that it was, uh, it came to him in a, in a trailer on a set where he had a very small part in some movie. I can't remember the specifics of the movie he was doing. And he was kind of uh, in a moment of self-loathing, for lack of a better. You know, he stood up. He said he walked over and said, "Ah, you'll never be much of an actor." To himself in a mirror, and he looked in the mirror and he started in this. He said there was a metamorphosis of this kind of character coming out in his face, and he began to talk in that voice to himself, and uh, kind of worked it and just used it as you know catharsis for what he felt at the moment and it's such a it's such a big character that is pulled off which is a really tough combination well, i mean if you think about it yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's a huge but, but stretch, it pulled off with such a but it's I think pulled off such a finesse but with such again that whole movie with such accuracy both in terms of the history that's implied for the individual the yeah. results in that kind of character and the qualities that that kind of person has going through life it was just Accurate. Yeah, it's, and it's very rare in Hollywood it, to see that kind of it accuracy. It speaks to his enormous yeah. gift and talent. It wasn't really Hollywood, though. They just yeah, gave right. nine nine hundred thousand bucks right. and told him to get lost. Okay. Jade, you're sixteen. Well, the guys that gave him the money didn't tell him to get lost. They were extre- They were very supportive. No, no, and no, no. Listen, Dwight, don't tell me about Hollywood. Well, they weren't from Hollywood. <laughs> don't tell me about Bakersfield. <laughs> they were out of New York. They weren't from Bakersfield either. <laughs> Jade. Yeah. You're sixteen. Hi. What's going on? Jade. Yeah. Go right um, ahead. I have a question about molestation. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was wondering, how come when a person gets molested at a young age, it seems to happen to them several times throughout the year of their life? It, it, this, there's debate about why this is. I'm not sure I totally understand why humans act out, reenact the traumas that were perpetrated against them. Um, right, because it's kind of weird... Let, let me just jump in here for a second. It's, we get these calls uh, all the time. Somebody was molested at an early age, and they become victims the rest of their life because dad gets them when they're six, but the neighbor gets them when they're 13, and then uh, some biker guy when they're hitchhiking at 19, and they just become victims until they get some therapy. But the other thing that's strange about human nature is if you fall into a pool and almost drown at five, you never want to go near a body of water again, and you never go near the, a pool again. You, right. you know why, what I mean? Why wouldn't you try, try mastering or, the pool? Why if, would you jump in the pool every time? Why right. wouldn't that kind of trauma bring you or back? Or you're attacked by a pit bull at four years it, old. It, you it, never go near it, another it pit bull. It speaks leagues about the way we internalize our experiences of other people. Also, I think the need 
that we have, the enormous need and the compelling kind of need that we have to continue with human contact, obviously. I mean, so, we keep, and, it's not and, like and the to pool. straighten it out. Yeah, yeah the pool can't, I mean, the pool, you can live the rest of your life without going in, the, in water, you know. True. I mean, short of, you know, but uh, it, it's more, it's more, sure. it's, it's no, not, no, issues, I, but I've done that. Yeah, it, it, humans need humans. <laughs> looked but, at, uh, but more than that, humans, humans, the, the relationships between whom it is far different than any other quality or type of relationship people carry on with in the anything environment, else. with anything yeah, else. It's totally different. Right. It's different. Okay. And the theory is that they interject, they take pieces of the, those persons and put them inside themselves and then have to sort of qualify their relationships with those pieces of themselves by acting it out in the environment. Are they trying to fix it by acting I, it out? That's what I think, but that there's, there's debate about what actually they're doing. I, I think it is, it is a way of either trying to contact pieces, yeah, it's trying to fix, I think, basically. Jade. Yeah? Anything like this happen to you? Yeah. What happened? Uh, when I was a kid, it happened like with three different people. But you're you're aware that it's happening over and over again. What what do you think motivates it? Do you have any insight at all? I don't know. It's hard to tell, especially at sixteen. Oh, sixteen. I was uh, just uh, watch TV and masturbate. That's, Adam and I've been talking, only talking to each other about our, our teenage lives, and we actually, in, in like three hours of conversation, managed to throw one another into a pretty severe depression. Yeah. <laughs> I was about ready to kill myself. It was really hearing myself talk about my teenage life, Drew. Well, it's mine and mine, too. As opposed to yours. Well, m mine stirred up and stuff. Oh, Drew had a so. closet full of tennis rackets and ascots, and uh, I had a closet full of coal. <laughs> I had a closet full of hope. But that's, <laughs> you know, not going to get you a long way if you don't. J Jade. Yeah? Uh, are you getting some therapy? Uh, I did that a while ago. Oh, no, that ain't like going to the dentist. I mean, it's not something you go to once a year. <laughs> it's something you go to I mean, regularly for many years. Oh, hell, yeah. I mean, I needed therapy, and I didn't even have any major things happen to me other than just a sort of, you know, general neglect. Oh, chronic abuse. Just <laughs> Chronic low-level abuse. I was on a slow drip of abuse, <laughs> but I never had any uh, real serious, tangible, you know, alcoholism overt, or yeah. overt stuff. And, uh, Jade. Yeah? You, you can't make a hobby out of it. You've got you to gotta be real serious about this. I know. Because then what's going to happen is is you're you're going to screw up your relationships. You know what I mean? You're going to yeah. pick the wrong guy and then you're going to act the wrong way with the wrong guy or the or wrong, the wrong way, the way, way with the right yeah. guy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, Jade? Mhm. Mm uh, you know what's going on, right? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Well, it's Not just well, it's, yeah, this is what we're talking about. It's you know, knowing something and being able to act on it are two different things, unfortunately. Alex. Yeah. Hey, you're 13. You're on with Dwight Yoakam. Uh, hey, um, first time caller, I mean, no, first time caller, long time listener. Okay. The oil here, I don't know. But, all right, my problem... I just want to point out, when I started doing the show, uh, Alex had not yet been born. Alex? Yeah? You were uh, just a stain in your dad's underpants when Drew started doing this show. Fourteen years, Drew. Yeah. So eloquently put. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you want some help writing those country songs? You know, I poetic. I'm right? not really soliciting right now. For any, All right, but we but could just get it, together and jam it, a little. Yeah, maybe. Or I could watch you jam. What do you got? Well, no, I don't, I don't think that'd work. <laughs> I don't. All right, Walt Whitman. <laughs> well, hey, Alex. Yeah. What do you want? All right, my problem is like I want to be circumcised, but I don't know how to tell my parents that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They can't really go up to them and ask them. You got a birthday coming up? Uh, no. No. Okay. Why? I was just thinking of something you could ask for. What's a circumcision run? I don't know. 
Seems like they wouldn't charge you much. I imagine so. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's certainly a moil yeah. can't be too expensive. Don't even hazard a guess. Yeah, I, I mean, for a moment, he almost he had to, like, me to do it. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Now, um, if you flip, like, you're on an HMO, you probably can't even get it done. You couldn't but get it done with an cash, HMO, right. could you? You have to pay cash for it, right. I mean, no, no insurance company's going to touch this. I would think, no. I, well, I would so think, to speak. yeah, good insurance probably would, because it's a reasonable medical procedure. But HMO, no, I don't, yeah. they won't do, like, breast augmentation. Hey, do fertility. Yeah, but that's a, a function yeah, this, of yeah, this, life. Yeah, but this can be considered something hygienic. It bothers him, right? yeah. It's, it's something, it's something medic, you know, it affects his functioning. It bothers him. No, uh, Dwight said it's right, that it could be considered a hygienic, hygienic problem. Yeah, right. All right, well, you could write him a note and probably get the HMO to uh, no, foot not, the bill for it. not an HMO, it. but insurance company, probably. Okay. Alex. Yeah? Uh, do you th what do you think your parents are going to say? Uh, no idea. Why do you want to get circumcised? Just because, like, friends and, like, have you ever go skinny dipping or anything with friends? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> you, right. You, you recognize that you're still going to feel uncomfortable about yourself, even if you you know, chop away at little pieces that make you different. And it's not, it's not, you know, being different is not always something that is troubling to your whole life. There may be a time in your life when you wish you hadn't done this if you do do it. Yeah. And, uh, and there'll be other things about you that'll make you feel awkward and different, too, once you take away this problem. or the, you know. And you'll probably get the circumcision, and then your dad's company will pick up and move to Europe, and then you'll go skinny dipping, and, then and all the Europeans are going to laugh at you. Oh, wouldn't this be a great, yeah. Yeah, this is a great fable. Yes. It's a good ch children's Peace story. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, it's like the Sneetches. The, the, Do you know, the, the, the little you know the pre that could. No. Do you know? For Christ. All right. Go, Drew, you know hold on. This Sneetches story is an hour and 45 minutes. I've heard it before. Uh, he did it on the TV show, and uh, it spilled into the next show we taped uh, <laughs> after lunch. I swear to God. Drew, do you want to give the... No. Do you want to spill the Sneetches real fast? After the commercial. All right. Tease the Sneetches, and they're, then we'll go to break. Dr. Seuss animals with stars in their bellies. I'll okay. But, the, uh, Alex? Yeah? When you hear Drew say star, mm -hmm. I want you to say foreskin. Right, in your mind. Okay? <laughs> Try it once real fast, Drew. He said in his mind. Sneetches had stars on their belly. All right. Alex, you repeat. Yeah. Oh, foreskin. All right, say the whole sentence. Oh, Go I ahead, Drew. I was supposed to say it in my mind. No, no, say it out loud. That's Go what ahead, I thought, too, Alex. Sneetches had foreskins on their belly. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we gotta we gotta all go to the bathroom. It's only in your mind, Alex. All right, Alex. Remember, you say foreskin when Drew says star. Only in your mind. We'll be back with uh, Dwight Yoakam and Drew and his band of sneeches after this. All of my most sensitive areas were inflamed. Time for our friends at Stamps.com, everybody. Getting mailing and shipping done can seem like well, seem like a pain in the butt. You're going to the post office; it takes up time. You have to lease a, a postage meter. Now there's a better way. It is stamps.com. You can buy and print official U.S. postage, any letter, any package, and you can do it right from your desk using your own computer, your own printer, and you even get special postage discount rates that you can't get at the post office. Stamps.com is more powerful than a postage meter at just a fraction of the cost. Right now, you can use our promo code LOVELINE for a special offer. It is a usual no-risk trial, $110 bonus. It includes a digital scale. So you can weigh your letter or your package, determine precisely what the right postage is, and up to $55 of free postage. Do not wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Loveline. That is Stamps.com. Enter Loveline. <laughs> right. We were, we were following the white light last time. This time we're uh, following, following the, uh, the uh, 
Yeah, kind of tripping back. <laughs> I was going to say the uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, Blacklight poster back in the love line. Dwight, uh, Dwight Light. Mm. Well, that works. Dwight Light. Dwight Yoko. The Dwight Light. Well, you know, <clears throat> maybe there's another career for me <laughs> as an inspirational speaker, I, motivator of men. Dwight Yoakam concert. Yeah. And then you come out there with the guitar and the hat and everything. Yeah. And you start off like you're going into a song. Yeah. But you just keep going for about an hour and 45 minutes. And you deliver whatever kind of message you like. And I think if it's yeah. good, people will be riveted and not even, you know, start throwing stuff at you. No, we haven't. <laughs> so you, you start off by going, hey, Dwight, thank you very much. Um, this next one is a little something you know what? that my grandpappy told me I, way back when. And then you just keep going. I don't, yeah. Because, I'll tell you. I've, That's not a good start, by the way, if you're going to do this kind of thing. What is it? I tell you, I yeah, you know, it's it's like that guy from or, St. Paul. That let me show you something, week. huh? You know, that guy that broadcasts every week. Uh, you know, you don't know, the National Public Radio or anything, do you? Uh, true. What do they break into the Opera Channel with uh, <laughs> some sort of spoken word thing? Yeah. Kind All of. right, hold on. Shut anyway, his mic off, well, please. He says, well, go ahead, Dwight. You know, the observation you just made is actually um, pretty accurate in terms of how I find myself trying to get lost in what we're doing on stage. Yeah. Every night when we go on stage, I want to kind of just dri I want to kind of slip into the music and and let it carry me wherever you know, the audience is willing to take it. So it, I mean, you know, not to get too esoteric. You know, new agey or esoteric. Yeah. Do you have? Uh, do you mix up the set all the time? Mm, no, we no. Once we when we get a tour, we we, we you know do uh, we lay out a show and and uh, uh, we stick to that show. You know, pretty much every night to night, but it plays different every night depending right. on the where we are and how they're responding to it. It plays. It's a it's a new show every night, even though the order is the same. And this is why I'm so it's like theater in that envious way. of musicians <clears throat> and um, and um, people like yourself. That I've done a few things on stage where they don't involve an instrument, it involves some stand-up comedy or some sketch comedy or something like that. And I'm always up there trying to think of the next thing I'm supposed to say, never getting lost in the moment. And I thought, musically, you could get up there and get lost. You ever, you ever turn on the TV and they're, they're broadcasting some jazz festival and there's some 300-pound sweaty black guy in his 60s and he's playing the uh, tenor sax and it looks like he's just having an orgasm for about uh, 15 minutes during a solo? It's like the euphemism from the 50s or the... 40s or 50s jazz music get gone right you know? yeah i mean you could just get into a zone at some point where you're just lost in what you're doing i used which, it all which my is life like and I this is why people like sex by the way it's their chance to escape and go to a place where they're not hearing their boss yelling at them and the and the dog's not barking they just get into a zone and then the orgasm is the pinnacle of that expression mm-hmm okay all right. I should have stopped a yeah, few sure, minutes ago. Please, uh, right. nice try. You sure don't want me writing lyrics for the next album? Now you we get sure, yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the stain you know, in the underpants? Doctor Dr. Drew allows me to remain polite. That <laughs> yeah, he jumps in and says what everyone else is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight's tired. He'd like to go home. <laughs> Angela, you're 17. Yeah. Hi. Um, Adam, I just want to say you are hilarious. There you go. I don't know why I like you because <laughs> you I don't go. know why, but for some reason it's just like, I don't know. Just I like, like I went a little too Let far. Let it remain a, a mystery. Ago. You just went too far, yes. What's your question? Well, I have a 
problem. In the last, like, three weeks, four girls have come up to me separately and professed their love for me, but I'm straight. How many women? Four. Wow. In three weeks. In three weeks. Mm-hmm. These people you knew from before? Well, I've been, like, working in a, in a play right now, so I'm, like, meeting all these new people, so I haven't known them for all that long. Uh. Are you an actress? No. I'm a musician. And... Um, you're part of the play, though. Right, I'm in the pit orchestra. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I don't even know they had those anymore. <laughs> so this must be quite a production. Yeah. What is it? It's um, a girl who's 19 wrote the play, and a girl who's 18 wrote the music. It's a musical called, it's actually called Feminazi Frenzy. Feminazi Frenzy? Yeah. Oh, your folks must be proud. <laughs> 17 so, so years she played that clarinet for this. This could be this. contextual, you know, this, what's going on. Wait a minute, yeah, you're, you're, you're I saying mean, you're a, a, a well, cast okay. of, of lesbians. What, I mean, what, what do you expect? Yeah, if Nazi, yeah, lesbian, that's all you're working <laughs> with. I mean, it could be topical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're all together, and that's the, I mean, they expect everybody else to be of that sort of mindset, well, or if they're not, well, maybe. actually, no, the girls who wrote the play are both straight. It's like making fun of all these stereotypes but they do it backwards like being heterosexual is the bad thing and stuff like that it's a comedy right but they they cast uh, in the in the drama log it said uh, looking for lesbians <laughs> not scared to goose step they're not all lesbians all right. no, but there's a larger percentage maybe in the environment you happen to be in right right, right. but we'll see my problem is right it's is, like it's like uh, you you go to prison for the weekend and then you call in and go why does everyone have tattoos all of a sudden <laughs> Uh, you're in a holding tank with some <laughs> Hell's Angels, perhaps? Angela, it's where you are. It's your environment. Go uh, go see Sound of Music or something. You're not going to get approached by lesbians. <laughs> well, my thing is, is I really like this guy <laughs> in the place. Maybe a lot well, of gay men there, but... Uh, uh, oh, please, please Dwight. See. Stop being so politically correct, you know no, I'm right. No, I mean, I'm, you know... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just knew. You like Sound of Music is what he's telling no, you. No, that doesn't that necessarily like you're, it. You know, you're still straight. I kind of like Conrad Birdie. <clears throat> Remember Bye Bye Birdie? Sure. Dick Sean was brilliant in that. Didn't Dick Sean die on stage? In West, yes. In Very West. odd deal. On the stage. In, they in San Diego. Was, was it there or here? I thought it was in San Diego. No, it was Westwood play. Playhouse. I don't, I, I, the second hardest working man in... Show business in the whole wide, wide world. Something absurdly titled like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dick, he was, he was what's even more bizarre about this reference is he was in Springtime for Hitler. We're talking about Nazi play here. Mm -hmm. And he was in Mad, 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 Mad world. world. But Dick Sean was a great, brilliant, funny guy. Oh. And, and uh, he was up on stage. I thought he was performing at a college, but I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe. He dropped dead in the middle of the performance, and everyone thought it was a bit. Yeah. And he stayed there on the floor unconscious for many minutes five before minutes somebody, oh, yeah. No, it was or, four days until production of Andy well, Get Your Gun came time. in to drag him off. It was off. longer than five minutes and not quite as long as four days. All right. Well, so. I use a little hyperbole here on the show. All right. We, we didn't answer Whatever a question other than... Uh, <laughs> see, I should be writing lyrics. Uh, Angela is being approached by lesbians because she's working in a place that has nothing but lesbians. Right. All right. Diane. Well, I don't know that she, she, place should, be, she should be flattered and that's that. She's not interested if she's not interested in that and that's it. Diane. Yes. You're 40. Yes. You're on with Dwight Yoakam. Hi. Hey. Um, I have noticed that Mr. Yoakam has in the past been linked romantically with several um, well-known females and currently, I believe, is linked romantically with Miss Cheryl Crow. And I'm just wondering why it is that so many celebrities seem to only be comfortable 
being romantically involved with other celebrities. Well, now, yeah. off the top of my head, Dr. Drew. Yes, sir. Have you, did you, have you ever, when you were in medical school, when you were an intern, did you date a nurse at all, ever? Right, yes. I mean, that's no, he obvious, but he knows right? where you're My going. response is obvious. Right, it's right. Like, it's pretty... Right, you, you, who, that's who you're socializing. Again, we get back up to the last caller and right. be curious about why all of a sudden she had you're her. dating a lesbian Nazi because you're in a play called The Feminazis so I think it's just, on Wheels. I, I, you know, I, it's, and, and, uh, um, well, it's a two-parter, isn't it, Dwight? I mean, one, these are people you're around, and two, you can get them. I mean, uh, Dwight... Well, I don't know about that. Well, no, here's what I'm saying, I don't Dwight. know about that. Now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But if you're driving one of those trucks where you empty the um, porta-potties on construction sites, yeah. you're not going to get a shot at Cheryl Crow. You know what I'm I saying? I don't know that I have a shot at Cheryl Crow, by the way. And well, now I, we've, we've I, gone off into a, another tangent here. We'll speak hypothetically. I don't know whether you're dating her or not. You didn't have much trouble getting her on the album, though. That could be something. But I don't know whether you're dating her or not. I absolutely do not. I'm just saying... Part of it is, is you see these people, you work with these people, and the other part is, is, you know, you're making a nice living, you're a good-looking guy, you're a celebrity in your own right, and women are attracted well, to that. Well, people are attracted to each other when they're doing interesting things. Yeah, right? I'd like to right. date Cheryl Crow. People are attracted to each other when they're doing interesting things, when they're successful and doing interesting things. I mean, Adam would like you to know, date I think Cheryl Crow. I think it's just, I, you know, wh whoever, whomever, whomever dates... <laughs> Well, oh, you're doing some backpedaling now. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm just trying to put but, but, this in some sort of context I, that has reality. No, but that, that, involved that it, it. it is people you share interest with, typically. You share... Uh, and proximity to it proximity. Yeah, and, and, and uh, yeah. And, right. But so, her roadie is in proximity to her, too, but he's not going to get to date her. You know what? I'm not going to even address that. Well, forget... Get off Cheryl Crow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rody? Who you never talk about I don't him. know. All right. Let's use um, Anne Murray. <laughs> okay. As an example. All right. She sung that Snowbird song from uh, 1922. She's Canadian? She's Canadian. She didn't date, date Hank Snow that I know of. I don't know if They're she's both musicians. still alive or not. Both Canadians. She, let's say she's an attractive female singer. And according to his song, he's been everywhere, but... She is not going to go out with some, some schmo. She's going to go out with a guy who's Who? making some good money. Ann Murray. What qualifies somebody as being a schmo or not a schmo? I've hated uh, a lot of people. That yeah, but you, what normal job did you do before you were uh, drove a celebrity? All right, you drove Delivered a truck. Freight, yeah. All right. How many celebrities Angry. did you get while you were driving a truck? Get. Boy, there's a... How many date, celebrities date, did there's you date? a delicate date. term. All right, date. <laughs> did you get... How many celebrities did you date while you were driving that 18-wheeler? Uh, I didn't drive an 18-wheeler. Um, Flatbed. I I don't know that I dated anybody famous. Uh huh. Okay. All right. We'll end the discussion. But what? Now. I don't understand the point. Well, my point is, is your Dwight Yoakam. Did we lose the caller? No, she's up. You can ask her a point. No, we can't. Diane, her, not her. Just hi. Were you that the only thing you had to ask? Pardon? Was that all you were asking, or did yeah, you I have was something? I'm just else? curious, and they kind of touched on it, whether it was the proximity thing or whether it was the, you know. It's a more comfortable thing for you. You don't think that somebody's like, you know, after your money or whatever. Or, or you're, right, they, they're social status right. With you. That's right. There may be a, there's certainly a Some common area of understanding. Yeah. Right. And when we come back, I'm going to explain the whole number system as far as dating goes. How's and that? how 
Well, numbered. numbered oh, yeah. wait a minute. You didn't even explain the Sneech thing. Oh, God, humanity. All right, write that down. Bruce right. got to do the Sneech right, we'll do thing. Sneeches, the foreskin in your mind. Yeah, Sneech, the numbers yeah. thing is. That might be a lot. I'll do it after the break. All right, I'll explain the numbers the after the break. Foreskin in your mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, as the faceless evil closes in on the hapless sleeping populace across town in a shanty one bedroom, an old woman feeds her parakeet. Come on, Chirpy, have some cheese. You love cheese. Since when? Are you afraid of cheese? Love line will be right back. Hey everybody, Dr. Drew here. And I'm Mike Catherwood. And we just want to say thank you both to our sponsors for supporting the show and to those of you who support our sponsors by clicking through on the Amazon banner. Be sure to use the products that support this program. Without them, we are unable to continue to uh, thrive. Kind of it's pull, true. As Adam would say, I put a little wind in the sails. Keep the pirate ship afloat. Well, we don't have a pirate ship like he does, but we got to keep this thing afloat. And the way they do it is by clicking through on Amazon for any purchases. And it doesn't cost you a thing, but Amazon kicks a little bit over to the podcast producers, yeah. and we can keep doing our podcast. Yeah, and it, look, again, let's remind people, you're probably going to use Amazon anyway. Yeah. So if you could, just before, go ahead and click through that banner. Do your shopping the same way that you would, and when uh, we get a little, we get our beak wet. So go to Podcast One, head to over to the Loveline page, and then click through on the Amazon banner there, and you'll be supporting the show. And we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This is like, oh, yeah. all right, wait a minute, wait a minute. The mic's on, do I? Much more, but much more rigid and much more, uh, uh, <clears throat> right. pretty much the people pleasing part L- of it. Let me get back on yeah, track here yeah. for one second. Uh, the show's Loveline. I'm Adam Kroll. That is Dr. Drew. He is Dwight Yoakam. He has a uh, CD out called Under the Covers. It's uh, all covers. Some you may not have heard of before, and others you'll know very well. His own unique, um, puts his own unique spin on all of them. And uh, I listened to it uh, three times back-to-back today, enjoyed the hell out of it. So I definitely recommend it. Now, phone number, 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455. Drew, Mm. very quickly, uh, talk about the Sneetches. Sneetches. And you did your thesis on this uh, in college, didn't you? No, but I study it more than I care. I study all Dr. Seuss nightly more than I care to admit with my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he had a book about these these Sneetches, these funny-looking birds. One of them had a blue star in his belly. And uh, all, and first he was an outcast. Then it became the cool thing. Everybody wanted a blue star in his belly. And they made a machine to put blue star on the Sneetch's bellies. They all had blue stars except one. And then he was the, at first he was the outcast. Then suddenly everybody wanted the stars off. Again. Removed, yeah, yeah. So laser treatments, right? Right. Same and, idea. And this would pertain to the foreskin call that we had earlier. Right. All right. Now let me explain the dating in numbers. Your mind. The dating numbers game, and I hope, uh, I guess it was, uh, I'm not sure if it was Lee, or I can't remember the guy's name, but he had to say the word foreskin every time you said the word <laughs> star. star. Now, the dating numbers game. People have a, diff, uh, have a lot of problem with this theory, but I'm telling you it is right on. Please, have an open mind about this. Oh, boy, here we go. Just, open mind. Uh, I'm not coming, you, I'm coming from a good place here. I'm sure you are. That's meant for me. No, oh, no, no, okay. no, it's not. No, I'm, it's, it's meant for Dwight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's the goal of of dating. You everybody has a number. Uh, Let's face it. You just do. Sometimes it's What kind of a number Here's how you figure out what? what your number is. You figure out what your standing in society is. Okay. Yeah, you know, do you uh, do you have a job of some import? Uh are you um uh, climbing the social ladder? What kind of car do you drive? How much money do you make? How tall are you? Uh, uh, you know, how fat are you? How thin are you? What, what do you look like with your shirt off? These things all work into your total package number. 
Your Please, score, your score, your rating. Your rating, your uh, score. Yeah. Huh? yeah, I mean, We're, this is the this is the reason why Lorenzo Lamas does not uh, date the uh, post-menopausal woman with the curlers in her hair who works the um, soft swirl counter over at the Thrifties. This is why. Now, there's a guy who'll date her, but his number is closer to hers. You understand? Okay. Okay, so everyone has a number. Your job is to date somebody whose number is either equal or higher than yours. Actually. But not too much higher, because then you'll get dumped, because they'll catch on. You see what I'm saying? So it all relates really to self-image. Yeah, how about how people feel about themselves? Does that <laughs> that, that works the in. That figures into the number. Sure does. Okay, now. Well, the catalyst for this theory is self-image. Yeah. Right, and it's and not the perception of oneself. Right? It's not only how you perceive yourself, but it's how others perceive you. But that ultimately is but only but they, reflected in how you perceive that, yourself. That I mean, may, by the way, you the, may the, use them as a uh, right. As you, a may, you may drive your number up. You feel so bad about yourself yeah. to go after somebody else who's also driving their number up because they feel bad and make a real bad relationship. But okay, you see so that an ex, Alan an ex, Greenspan meets Nietzsche uh, over here. An Please. ex-girlfriend's father. <laughs> what? There's a way to start with a bit of it. An ex-girlfriend's father suggested to her at some point, and, what, and this fortunately wasn't in reference to me at the time, and he put this rather succinctly. That came later. Yeah. At the time it was referenced. <laughs> at, yeah, at the time. Um, that she should never date or be involved with anyone who had less money and more problems than she had. Right. So does that apply to anything you've just said? Yes, it does, and it and it it's makes it makes good sense. And uh, that guy who uh, a, a guy who had uh, less money and more problems would have a lower number. You a lot see? of people are you know a lot of people need to save people in the lower all number. Right, bracket listen, all don't this. dilute the number theory. Just listen for a second. Right, that takes somebody else's number down. A guy like completely open to listen. This you just dropped two points, Drew. <laughs> You're lucky. You're off the market. Completely you never get laid again. Dwight has a very high number. Okay. Dwight's good looking. He's up on stage. He okay. has many things that uh, raise your number. Mm. He plays an instrument. Um, he's uh, he makes good money. He's he's a uh, he's in the public eye. Okay. He's, it raises he's the number maybe in a certain equation, but I don't know that that's a universal. Right. You know that it applies to all. Well, I'm explaining why you get to okay. date beautiful women. His number's very high now because his number's high. Mm. He then gets to date others whose number are high. But yeah. isn't that the case uh, with any of us at any point in our lives? When, when we were in high school or junior high... Right, you had a number. Did you? Sure. I mean, the guy was the captain of the football team or on the wrestling squad with the great physique and the flowing blonde hair and uh, whatnot had a higher number than the guy who was on the uh, head of the Madrinas Escuderos a Spanish club <laughs> over here who uh, basically, uh, you know, spent his summer evenings. Um, you know, but it, that only, I, I, I think that would only, that would only uh, no, be valid yeah. to a point because, I mean, obviously yes, it's yes. only valid to a point because it's a, on a superficial level. Right. Yes. It's on a very superficial On the surface. Level. On yeah. the surface. But, uh, and what mo what's motivating people to move their numbers around is where the real health is. But That's understand past the number. Understand, fellas, that the number isn't just what you look like or how much yeah, money you have. But people, Gandhi people, had a good number. But people might manipulate their number motivated out of unhealthy You can't instincts. move your own number. Yes, you can. That's for society. 
Yeah, but somebody to, might be aware dictate. that they, they want to make more money so they can be more attractive to somebody. All right. And, well, as opposed to feeling good about themselves. You can lobby to, to move your number by driving a nicer car and uh, right. going Proxy to the gym more often. Stuff all the time, right. Can, right. Right. Well, that's why a guy goes to the gym and gets a Corvette so his number will inch up. And so he can date higher uh, echelon women. I don't know that he would uh, probably just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get, well, maybe he, I think it's, only I don't think it's so, he might, in fact, convince himself (laughs) that so his number can inch up, but it's actually so he, so he elevates his self-esteem. Right. You you, you, you academic types have so much difficulty agreeing with the the street sage over here. No, you read, you read plenty, a little too much, I think. (laughs) That's your problem. Now, just accept the number. Your very high number. Uh, the women you date are high numbers, and that's why. No, no, is, I, you would I not date a four. Date just, but you I, wouldn't. Well, but what? That is the number. Four is real. Um, yes. What, are you, what scale are you judging somebody on? On a scale of celebrity? Because I've dated a lot of people. In fact, most of the people I've dated were not celebrities. Right, but they had like very them. high numbers regardless. They were intelligent. They were smart. They were attractive, well, uh, young, nubile. Uh, came from decent backgrounds. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I mean, put out sexually. You know what? We can all hope for high numbers. Right. Okay. Listen, there's On nothing. This there's nothing wrong with everyone trying to elevate their number a little bit. Well, or just that's why I got this radio out, show. Trying to go seek up. Seek out a higher number. Right. All right. I mean, it doesn't and have seek, to be a superficial thing. To, <laughs> even though it is. <laughs> Stunned silence is the response. Right, and this is a good segue. Drew and I because I, I want to play another song <laughs> off of that. Uh, Dwight Yoakam's uh, yeah. Under the Covers uh, CD, his uh, eighth CD, as the a matter of synopsis fact. of our... Listen, I, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll play something else off the CD, okay. and then we'll have a, we'll have a little roundtable while the song is playing about the numbers thing. And all you guys right. So I'll see well, it my way. Okay. And uh, this is a song that... Uh, I personally liked off the album and wanted to hear tonight. I'm glad we're playing. It's called Here Comes the Night. And that plus there. jeans is it? Is it? That's the whole story. Dwight Yoakam is here talking about the numbers game. <laughs> He's bought into my little plan. <laughs> Under the covers is the name of uh, Dwight's latest CD out just a couple of weeks, and uh, it's one of those things where even if you don't like Dwight Yoakam, even if you're never going to listen to CD. It's, it's good to get it just to have it lying around in case people come over that think you're cool. As a matter of fact, Dwight, I have an idea. Uh, it's just dawned on me, but seriously, it's a way to make some money. You come you? out with some CDs that don't even open. You know what I mean? Where there's not an actual disc inside of it, just sealed shut, just solid it's plastic. Like plastic that just shut. As yeah. a matter of fact, you come out with like plastic. a box set where you could just put it in the middle of all your other CDs and it would look like you had 11 Dwight Yoakam CDs. And that way, when people come by, they go, oh, this guy's hip. He knows his music. And you could sell them for like four bucks a piece because obviously they didn't they have it. came any. by my place, they just think it was narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, you can't have, have stuff lying around. Bought, yeah. It is kind of weird. Like, you can't, uh, if you have a date or something, you can't say, uh, let's listen to me. Can you? Well, it depends on what's going on at the time. Right. If we've just finished mixing something and I'm listening to No, it, not one of those professional no. dates. No. 
Okay. Yeah, you can't have stuff lying around. And then you got to think extra hard because you're a music guy. You can't just go grab some crap like some Bay City Rollers that, or something. He's editorializing. <laughs> no, Silent. it's true. Do you understand what I'm talking I'm about? I'm supporting you. You can yell out right in his face, too, Ed, here. Here's what I'm saying. Nobody knows. Lee Iacocca cannot pull up in, in a Pinto. Dr. Drew yawned. You see what I'm saying? Prolonged yawn. Is, is Adam talking? Oh. Shut Drew's mic off, please. <laughs> and we're going to keep it off for a good long time this time until he learns. <laughs> <laughs> All the schoolmen in the world yeah, hasn't learned until him Until he nothing. learns. It's like, ooh, <laughs> still on. Starting to take on Dwight's character. I'll learn you. <laughs> I'll learn you hey, good. Be careful, I'll take on uh, Billy Bob's character. All right. <laughs> All right. Mm, All right. I'm just uh, saying, Dwight, uh. be careful what you play around the house because people look up I'll to you. I'll keep that in mind. All right. I'll right. keep that in mind. I Maybe I'll keep drop it to off my Ralph one of my Stanley uh, collections, what I'll play. I'll drop off one of my spoken word tapes from the 70s. I'll play that. Opal. Oh. Hi. Until I get that large yawn. <laughs> You're 17. Was he really yawning? I didn't see him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm 17. Jesus, Drew. <laughs> What's Still going on? Dwight Yoakum's on the show. Yeah, I know. Hey, Dwight. Hey, how you doing? Fine, and yourself? I'm doing all right, I That's guess, cool. I think. Oh, you're having the time of your life. I'm Come having on. a ball here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> just have, kidding you. I have this really big problem, and it's, it's really disgusting because, like, me and my boyfriend, we have sex all the time. Like, every day, like, you know, 30 minutes, maybe to an hour. And then one time I walked in, and he was masturbating. Hmm. Like, I walked in, and I'm like, oh, my God. So, you know, I walked out, and I closed the door, and he came out, and he said he was sorry for this and that. And then he told me that he does it, like, constantly. So I'm, like, he's feeling, you know, I'm not giving mm. it up to him more than I should, or, like, I feel inadequate. So what should I do? You should change the way you think about masturbation. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but he, like, masturbates more than we have sex. But, but, it's, it, but Adam's telling you it's a, it's a different thing. It's a different thing? Yeah. Okay, I don't understand. It is, um, it is something that is near and dear to him. <laughs> it is something that he knew long before he met you and will know long after you're gone. <laughs> okay. Well, isn't that it, precious? It's <laughs> <laughs> I feel special, huh? It is. Well, uh, what I, I mean, I'm just trying to be realistic. Yeah, you're you're 17. He he's look, look, at the, look at the pensive faces of all those ladies across the other room there. The yeah. ladies want to know about masturbation, and I'm, uh, I've been elected the spokesman. I don't know. They want to know anything about it from us. Yeah. Uh, well, Adam, yeah. though, is quite the expert. <laughs> in this. I know. Yeah. It is something that he's been up to. It is a skill that he's been honing probably since the eighth grade. <laughs> No, he told me his sophomore year in high school. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, always Late bloomer. Always, always deduct a year and a half uh, from the time the guy says he began masturbating. Okay. It's like when a woman lost her virginity. Always yeah. deduct a year and a half from okay. that point. Yeah, it works, works with guys. It yeah. does. Okay. It has nothing to do with you. It is not because you're not satisfying him. It's not really sex to him. It's just something to release his tension. Well, it's wait a not, minute. No, it's 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 because what? I mean, what do I? I I I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it because you know he told me he openly said he does and he does it constantly. But I'm thinking. Uh, it, it, but the point is, it has nothing to do. It's a separate thing he does. It has nothing to do with his satisfaction with you. 
Okay. And that he, you'll never be able to take that away from him is what Adam is saying. It's a separate thing that he does. It has nothing well, to do you with could it, take it, it away for, for uh, <laughs> an no. hour or two, but let he me, would wrestle it right back. Let me back. clarify for myself, Doctor. It is something to do with sex. <laughs> it is something it to is do sexually with sex. Yeah, yeah, it is sexual <laughs> behavior. Driven. Okay. But, but let me say, let me just, now, now having... having uh, because Adam kind of yeah, Adam's had me wondering, I was actually going to seek help tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now that Adam's philosophy has been, uh, uh, you know... Exposed. been enlightened by his philosophy. Let me just say that 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 amount of sexual activity just kind of strikes me strange. And uh, and usually people that have that degree of uh, acting out, particularly with all that masturbation, have had something go on with them. Something. Some kind of abuse, typically. Because he's having sex with you every day? For an hour, and then masturbating constantly. Well, yeah, oh, to be To be like, 17 again. Well, like today, we didn't, because we had friends right. come over. Right, but, but the fact is that it just does, you know, it may, it may, it just doesn't, sit right. It doesn't sound right. And uh, you wonder what happened to him. Oh, well, Can you imagine this guy's sheet, by the way? It's like a, well, no, like see, a no, freshly uh, frozen me. ice. Just he says he doesn't do it under the sheet. He's in the bathroom. All right, all right. Hopefully. But, but yeah, do you know anything about his history? Well, yeah. Like he what happened to him? His like, parents beat him when he was right. younger. And now, the be- beating, the kids that are beaten have just tremendous repressed rage. And this is thought, particularly the masturbation is thought to be an expression of that. So this is it, indeed Adam ultimately is right that it's uh-huh. not so much about sex as about his psychological condition and uh, how he's acting that out. So okay, yeah. But it is going to make it difficult for him to have stable relationships, intimate yeah, I, relationships. I know. I've yeah, known you, him for quite some time. You're into you're into that mess with him, huh? Yeah. Right. So here's the deal: you're not going to be able to get anybody to cut back on their masturbating. <laughs> By telling them not to masturbate, you got to get to whatever they they're what is motivating them the to issues. masturbate. Yeah. The issues. But Thank you, Drew. Are, these are profound issues. You're not going to be able to crack somebody on that stuff. No. You know, no. No. <laughs> okay. Dwight, I won't get into your masturbation habits. I I think that would be distasteful. But, uh, it's fair to say that you've done it before, right? Okay. Clearly, it would be distasteful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, turned into Alistair Cook all of a sudden. <laughs> What's up? Hey, you're 22. Yes, I am. Hey, you've been on hold for 86 minutes. I don't know. My ear's about to fall off. Tell me about it. Okay, uh, here's a story. Um, I miss my family. Uh, I'm, f- I'm in the Virgin Islands right now. I'm in St. Thomas, and I came down here for the summer. And my brother met a girl probably about three months ago, and uh, we had a big party. We were down here. And hold on. Where are you hearing us? Where am I hearing you? Yeah. Like what station you mean? Yeah. It's called K-Hit. And where? Is it a Miami station? Or no, it's in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Oh, huh. Somebody's... Hey. What the hell? We're somebody's not on any Virgin Islands. Somebody's bootlegging the show. Well, oh, I'll tell you, that's uh, one program director I want to visit. <laughs> hey, uh, we're down. I know it's been three weekends in a row. Yeah. Hey, we're uh, coming to you live from the beach. <laughs> it's been eight months. Oh. Anyway, um, my problem was um, she had a lot to drink that night, my, my brother's girlfriend. And I was coming out of the bathroom, and she was waiting at the door for me and kind of pushed me back into the bathroom and proceeded to tell me how attractive she thought I was and on and on, and then kisses me and then gropes me. And then what? Gropes? Gropes me. Uh-huh. So I kind of push her back off and say, you know, you've had your little drunk here once you went and back off. Rest of the night, she kept, every time I turn around, she'd be looking at me, smiling and winking or something. I just played it off. She was drunk. Night before last, we had dinner at my parents' house. We were, me and her were just in the living room. Everybody else was in the other room. She comes over, sits down next to me, puts her hand on my thigh, and 
kind of looks at me and smiles, so I push her hand off and get out of the, get out of the room. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, um, one, my girlfriend wants to beat the hell out of her for kissing me and everything else. Second of all, do I tell my brother? Do I talk to her, say you need to chill? What do I do? Maybe to be sure that your brother, does, you know, because she's going to deny it and maybe even accuse you of coming on to her, maybe you ought to sit down with another person like your girlfriend, even who you already have confided in very wisely, and your brother, and talk about this. Uh, I don't think he confided in her. I think she found out somehow. All right, all right, she found out. DJ, she found out, right? My girlfriend? Yeah. No, I told her. You told her? Yeah. Oh, boy. So it's your girlfriend. Yeah, I'm, so disapp- I'm so disappointed. Uh, well, yeah, she made. How old's your brother? Could he kick your ass? No, I kick his ass. Oh, you could. How old oh, yeah. is he? How old is he? He's 25. How old is the girl? She's same age as me, 22. All right. Well, I think you, the three, you need to sit down. Not the girlfriend. Your girlfriend, your brother, and you need to sit down and talk about this. Uh, because if she's going to stay around. Um, everybody's going to be real clear on what you're dealing with there because she's going to create some real chaos for everybody. Okay. DJ, you're not attracted to her, are you? No, not at all. Yeah. Jeez, no. B- believe me, if he was, uh, he would have he would have seized this opportunity. Am I right, DJ? Uh, yeah, probably about 10 oh. years ago. I sure would have. Right. Okay. I love my brother, but, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Trim's trim, right, DJ? That's right. Okay. All right, uh, listen, do me a favor. All right. Have one of those drinks uh, that are uh, put in a uh, fashioned out of a uh, mm-hmm. hollowed uh, pineapple. Coconut. Coconut. Coconuts. All right. All right. And then um, go into the uh, hotel jacuzzi and vomit. <laughs> okay. What? Huh? Watch out the, uh, yeah, watch out for the jets. All right, Drew, please. Oh, does the humiliation ever end? Dwight. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Dwight, you're into this, aren't you? Into which? Whatever. What? what well, wait a minute. That's a... Re- I'm you're having so, a good time not, tonight, Oh, right? I'm having a ball. Good. It's, Dwight's a very genuine guy. And l- let me make this observation about he you, wasn't Dwight. He was that last comment. Yeah. Dwight... No. <laughs> Dwight's a guy who's, who has a very different feel in person than he does... Uh, than uh, I would say his persona gives off. He, ha- he's, uh, he has a sort of mystery man thing going on professionally, but uh, when you sit down next to him, you realize eh, it seems like a nope. regular guy. Nothing mysterious here at all. No. Mm. No. Mm. You know Rubik's Cube. You're like mm. a paper plate. No. Flip you over, same color on each no side. No box of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, when we come back, uh, I think I'm going to ask Dwight about upcoming movies, because that's something cool. And, uh, Drew? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you about anything. Thank you. I don't think they're aware of how much they suck. From the Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave comes television's most extraordinary new dramatic series. Starting Thursday, March 5th, watch American Crime live at 10, 9 central on ABC. Then tune into the American Crime podcast hosted by me, Elvis Mitchell. Each week we'll have a candid conversation with show creator John Ridley, plus show talent, character storylines, and more. Go to podcastone.com slash American Crime to subscribe now. Yeah, they moved to Bourbon. Years and years and years. Oh, yeah. Years and years. Dwight Yoakam is here. Years. Talking about the years. And uh, Dr. Drew is here on the phone number. 1 800. Dr. Maha. What the hell is the phone number? Oh. 1 800 568 3191. Oh, you know the numbers? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the facts, I uh, screw the facts number. Anyway, Dwight, let's yeah. talk a little more about acting. What, uh, what projects do you have coming up? Um, Drew and I were talking in the last break that uh, I just finished a film 
down in Texas. Uh, it's titled The Newton Boys. And it's a true story about uh, a group of brothers and, and my character who hooked up about 1919 and uh, proceeded to rob over a four-year period 84 different banks by going in at night and blowing the safes with nitroglycerin. And uh, they they stole, I think, over a half a million dollars in uh, about a four-year period. And uh, they started, because of their activity, uh, insurance companies started uh, uh, forcing the banks to change the types of safes they were using and ultimately put them out of business with the nitro because they were going to a round-door kind of safe. And it wouldn't, the nitro could, wouldn't pour evenly and wouldn't blow, and it became very dangerous for them. So they uh, pulled off the largest train robbery in U.S. history in 1924, just outside of Chicago. They, were, they robbed the Chicago to Minneapolis postal train of $3 million, which is equivalent today of 60 to $90 million, something like that. Right. So it's a fascinating big, story. But then after taxes, it's Not as I $3 told million it, but again, but <laughs> I guess you wouldn't pay if you stole it. Right. Uh, I love this kind of stuff, by the way. Really? Well, this uh, yeah, is done do. by Richard, you know, Richard Linkletter directed it. That was the other the guy reason. guy used to host the game shows? <laughs> no. No. The guy who directed Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. Suburbia. Right. Slackers. Yeah. Then some great movies, and that, that was the reason. Uh, finding out that it was a, that it was a uh, story based in historical fact and uh, biographical characters if it's a true story or based on true characters. I almost wish at the beginning of every movie, even a movie like Alien, for instance, <laughs> they'd say, based on a true well, story. I'll and then at something. the end, they'd say, hey, it was BS. I have, they'll call it X-Files. I have a theory that's an outgrowth of uh, being told by a friend of mine who's actually sitting behind the glass there, a gentleman named John Longnecker, who works with me on uh, uh, various film things that I do. Uh, that there's a George Bernard Shaw quote that says the only there are only two plots in all of fiction, and that is the magic frog in the real garden, or the real frog in the magic garden. And if you don't have one of those, right, you don't have anything, and you don't have anything to hold anybody's interest. And I think that the idea that this actually happened becomes contextually a magic garden for us when we think that this actually went on as you see a film start to unfold and you know that up front that it's a true story there's a bit of magic to that there's a there's a mystery to, attached to that there's a there's a folklore you know attached to absolutely these people's lives and and these gentlemen are are relatively unknown uh, there was a book published in the late 70s which is what this is derivative of or uh and um did they ever catch them, or do you no, want to get that away? Them, you know, yeah, they caught them um, uh, immediately following this robbery. I won't tell you how or why. Uh, uh, it was an outgrowth of just some things that went wrong. And uh, But they did pull that robbery off successfully and got away to an extent and were caught at the end. And, and so all of them served time. In fact, uh, the youngest of the brothers in 1980 was on Johnny Carson telling... Uh, uh, some of the, the tale wow. with a car during a Carnac skit. There you go. Probably you was. That. Well, anyway. the the uh, the thing that's amazing is they they probably could have got away with it if they just kept the half a million dollars they'd got robbing banks. Well, they were away with that. They had gotten right away with and that. half a million bucks in uh, what nineteen sixteen or whatever nineteen twenty three or four was equivalent to probably ten or fifteen million dollars today. They could have lived very comfortably, except that. The, the leader of the, of, the, of the gang, which Matthew McConaughey plays, 
Oh, now, who now who this is I'm this far into it. I guess I'll, it's an ensemble cast. It's it's Matthew McConaughey, myself, uh, Skeet Ulrich, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Ethan Hawke. We're wow. the gang. We're the Newton boys, and and um, uh, then uh, uh, Juliana Margulis from ER plays right. Matthew's uh, wife, and. Uh, uh, Chloe Webb played uh, Avis. I'm uh, guessing everyone wasn't was that good looking back then, by the way. But uh, you got to you got to make it easy it's on the, magic, the eyes. Magic frog. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a true story. Or something or lily pad or whatever. Right. All right, but I uh, I'm, when is this coming out, by the way? Uh, you know? I'm I I guess they said February March of this coming year. Okay, I will look forward to it because uh, not only do I love a true story, but I like an adventure. Mm. I'm tired of all the movies being either they're black comedies or they're these way out sci-fi things where after three or four galaxies blow up uh, during the opening credits, uh, you could give a rat's ass. I like these old movies like uh, Pepion right. and these, you know, great train robbery. Yeah, these epic, yeah. Yeah, these. His uh, life. Oh, did you like, did you see this Pepion movie? He floats away on those coconuts. I'm oh, still here. Oh, I there's cried. A, there's a thesis. Oh, uh, this statement. Like, <clears throat> right. True. I'm it was a here. true story, true too. True life. Huh? Oh, excellent. Well, we got to talk more about this Pepion during the break. Mary. Yeah. You're 29. Okay. I am a first time caller. And Dwight, how are you? I'm fine. Is it Mary? Yes. Hi, Mary. I'm from Washington State, and I'm calling to ask you um, if you'll be coming out with an anthology album. Boy, you know, we haven't really talked about it. Uh, Drew alluded to me doing a box set. I guess that would be an anthology. I did it. Of course, if there was nothing in it. That might well, still be a that was an anthology. Yeah, that was that my was, plan. Yeah. This is something just to look we good. We don't have any plans, too. Not as of yet. I'm actually going into the studio. Uh, on, on the movie, then. I was uh, mentioning the Newton Boys. I um, was down in Texas for three months, and I ended up writing a lot of uh, new material. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going in in September to record that uh, for as a new studio album that'll be released uh, sometime next, late next spring, I guess. Also, this is a good opportunity to plug the Christmas album, which will uh, be coming out in May. No, Ag- be coming out right before Christmas. I'm it guessing comes, that comes out actually uh, September 16th of all. All right, but it'll still be around during Christmas, right? Absolutely. That's when we hope that uh, people you know, will do the most buying. It'll have its you know, greatest response. Mary? Great. Yeah. Anything? Any, any other questions? Why not be at the, Weenie, the uh, Christmas the uh, what? show? Acoustic Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you Pardon should. Me? You ever play any of those uh, concerts for, the, for some, the radio stations? We've done some, uh, yeah. Like K-Rock's Acoustic Christmas? I've never done K-Rock's, um, but I... You consider it, wouldn't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Adam's inviting Absolutely. man. It's, okay. it's <laughs> I'm extending a personal if, invitation if from K Rock. If that's a genuine invitation. Yes. If it's if it's from if Adam. it's valid if it's <laughs> I'd like you to back me up on a spoken word tour I'm uh, gonna embark on. Well that I'm not interested in. Oh come but, on, Dwight. If in fact uh, you are um, um, are able to make such an invitation, I'll accept. Well, no, I'm not, but I'm doing it anyway. Okay, well, I still accept. I'm sure the powers (laughs) that be would be elated to have you. Mike. Yeah. Hey, you're 17. What's going on? Hey, Adam. Um, Actually, I just wanted to kind of support your your numbers theory. Mm Mm-hmm. I uh, very much respect uh, Drew and Dwight, uh, Dwight rather, but uh, I'm a little bit taken aback at their analysis of your theory because I think it's a very valid one, especially if you look back at, uh, I guess, human evolution, and our tendency towards uh, natural selection. And that's just natural selection in, in today's world. 
we're looking for the better mate. So the, you're, uh, you're, you're, a, you're a social Darwinist in addition to a biological Darwinist. Yes, exactly. Very much so. Okay. Pretty heady stuff for a 17-year-old, Mike. Oh, thanks. Here's the beauty is, though, Mike's never gotten light, have you, Mike? Uh, no. no. Don't let him it. give you a hard time. Right, so I'm up don't answer. You know? the, the guys that understand most deference to yourself, about getting laid are the ones who have gotten laid. Hey, Adam, I think that uh, says something about yourself, too, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm no Casanova. Oh, yeah. I'll admit that. I spent okay. too much time thinking about the numbers game and not enough time raising my own number. Yeah, that's where I am. All right, so Mike. Yeah, but uh, to sum up, very shrewd analysis, and I'm kind of surprised that uh, Drew doesn't agree. Well, well, no, well you know, we didn't disagree. Yeah. We were just we were taking and off issue. Mike, he, you brought up the issue that it, that that is usually an outgrowth of experience at a certain age, at adolescence to you know right. young adult. Right, and and there are certain people that uh, that uh, go for the lower number because of a self-esteem issue, or go for a higher number because of a self-esteem issue. But Adam, but Adam figures that figures into their number. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, as yeah, I've that stated, that figures everything about the person into the number. Stated before, you you would not want to go. If I'm a five, as much as I'd love to be with a nine or a ten, it wouldn't serve me well in in the big picture, because a nine or ten would I would be at her beck and call, and she would abuse me because my number is so low. Because she's someone who wants to be with a lower number person, and eventually it would end in tragedy. Best to have someone who is your number or just a little bit higher. Then you're really uh, winning the numbers dating game. And you know, we're all probably unable to get out from underneath the numbers we're saddled with. Right. Early on. That know, is true. Although we're surrounded by. I would like to think that God thinks of all of us as a ten. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> It got beyond sappy. <laughs> Thank you, Dwight. <laughs> I went from the stain in uh, Dad's underpants to God and his number recollection. All right, when we come back, we'll hear a little something else off of uh, Under the Covers, the Dwight Yoakam CD, and um, more more yarns to be spun on after this. I don't go in for these back... Hey, it's Loveline, kiddies. Eh, forget about the phone number. Forget about the fax number. Dwight Yoakam is here. Dr. Drew's here. I'm Adam Carolla. We're going to hear a little uh, something else off of Under the Covers. That is Dwight's 8 CD. It is all covers. Uh, heard it three times. Loved it three times. And uh, most of these songs you'll recognize. And it really draws from a lot of different sources. Um, you got the uh, Sonny Bono over here. You got the Kinks uh, over there. You have the old uh, Them and uh, Van Morrison. And um, also some newer, more interesting stuff like uh, The Clash. Yep. And but infused with mountain music from the, uh, uh, you know, from a source like Ralph Stanley, who's the banjo player and uh, tenor singer in the, in the Stanley Brothers uh, from late 40s up through that middle 60s. when Bluegrass band that used to rob banks? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Be a good movie, though, wouldn't it? No. Like that one guy's picking away and the other guy's picking a safe. Okay. All right. I, I, I can see I've lost my yeah, audience. It's yeah. real late, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, though, I talk late. to people all the Been time late. that say they really enjoy the show, Drew, so up yours. I'm sure people tell you really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Drew is such a tough nut to crack, this guy. And then he takes a guess and pulls them over to the dark side with him, and they, they, they start copping an attitude. Oh. <laughs> I wish for once a guest would have the guts to agree with me instead of take the safe side, which is Dr. Drew over here. Maybe they just don't agree with you. Okay, that could be a factor, too. Yeah, all, right. all right, all right, all right, 
we're plugging mm. more. We're playing more Dwight Yoakam, and this one is an old Clash song called Train in Vain. Yoakum, Under the Covers, and uh, for those of you who've um, been alive for the last um, 15 years or so, you'll know <laughs> that that was uh, Train in Vain. But not I. But not the shine. And again, uh, yeah, another another thing Drew hasn't seen, uh, but the thing I really enjoyed about this album was uh, Dwight flavoring it his own way, and oftentimes when people do um, retakes on songs, it sounds so much like the first song, it's kind of, why bother? Why not just re-release the first one? Uh, this is a totally different thing, and it's kind of interesting that a group like The Clash and uh, the way they wrote this song and the way they played this song was just a million miles away from what you just heard. And and I, But really not that far away, actually, too. And on, you know, well, I mean, like... When you just told us off the air... Well, no, it's the, the derivative. What we're doing there, and Ralph Stanley playing the banjo and singing that harmony part on, on this, is um, um, you know part of or illustrates that that this music really in rock music is is still uh, and its core derivative of uh, of uh, the Irish, Scottish, Welsh folk music that was the tradition that came across and ended up uh, you know helping us establish a musical uh, you know. That expression we're, uh, ourselves here in this country. You know, Drew's, an, grass and, uh. Drew's an opera aficionado and uh, did some singing in his earlier days. But they never accompany anyone with a banjo in opera, do they, Drew? Not that I can think of. No, but that would be what, a good opera. What, what's, um, uh, some of the tonal things are, are not that dissimilar. Yeah, know, it's in terms interesting. Of bluegrass how... music. And, and if you listen to the Everly Brothers and what they did when they sang, which... Uh, you know, we covered with, with Claudette their performance, but it was a Roy Orbison song. Their harmonies were uh, were uh, uh, things that were they were doing tonally. They, they were crossing melody would cross with the harmony, and the 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 part that had previously been the harmony now became the melody. And uh -huh. So true, you know, the Everly Brothers. Formal. I know of them. Bye bye <laughs> love. I know that song. Three more happy days. No, what I was getting at is that you could play the Clash's version of this song for, uh, like, my parents, for instance, and it would drive them nuts. They'd say, that's a horrible song, I don't want to hear it. But if you play this version of the same song, they would really enjoy it. So sometimes I just broke another CD cover. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's the one you have to give back, too, huh? And not anymore. It's <laughs> the one I bought. The point is, is <laughs> it's not so much the song, it's the way the song yeah. is interpreted. Presented, yeah. Okay. Tina. Yes. You're 26. Yes. You're on with uh, the songster, Dwight Yoakam. Great. Wonderful. I just want to say uh, I love you guys. I listen to you guys every night. I watch your show, and you guys are just great. Where are you calling from? Calling from Manhattan Beach. Oh, okay. <laughs> Threw a puss on for a second there. No, I didn't. 
You thought she meant like New York, Manhattan. No, 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 Manhattan Beach. Right, Manhattan, right, right, no. Right around the corner here. What's up, Tina? Oh, um, my question is for Dr. Drew. Yes, um, you told a girl the other week, uh, she was calling about the use of laxatives for diet purposes, mm -hmm. and you told her that uh, she could die from that. Yeah. How is that possible? It's bulimia. That's, that's part of the purging. It's one of the purging syndromes associated with bulimia. But what are the, and bulimia, the symptoms of that? And, and bulimia, has a, in, in its more severe forms, it has about a 20% fatality rate attached to it. It's, okay. very, it's uncommon for people just to stay with the laxative thing. Usually it's laxative plus starving themselves plus purging, vomiting, that sort of thing. Is there a way to get rid of that? or Get rid of that disease? Yeah. It has to be treated. Absolutely. There are people that you need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist who's expert in treating eating disorders. They're chronic conditions. That There's nothing you could dump in your bath? No, no. Mm -hmm. And they are very dangerous. And believe me, if you're using laxatives right now and you try stopping, watch what happens. Have you tried stopping? No. Well, what happens? Well, a lot of it, it, it just illustrates how much your system is... I don't is, think you can. You can't. If you stop for a week, your, your, uh, your bowels wouldn't work right. They would, they, they, sometimes they don't move at all anymore. And you'll swell up. Your legs get tremendously edematous as a result of the kidney changes that have gone on. There well, can be heart damage. There can be tremendous, tremendous you, medical problems. Well, how do you get weaned off the laxatives? Depends how much and how long you've been using them and what you've been using. Well, they can really damage. It can be. I, I, I had one patient. Into your heart? I had one pa patient. Why? You ever a problem with laxatives? No, it was just the way you. Weaned them off laxatives. Yeah. I had one Phrased, patient. I don't know why it just struck me funny. I mean, you were sincere. That's what struck me funny. No, I, wasn't really, I didn't really yes, care. Yes, you were. I, mean, I had one patient I'm tell you, he was who was sincere. Uh, <laughs> colon, colon motility. The real innocence to the way you was, asked. Was that. so severely damaged, we actually had to remove her colon. Hey, uh, how the hell you get uh, weaned off of laxatives? Okay. <laughs> hey, you get I something like that? Stop. Listen, banjo <laughs> boy. I didn't say it with that twang in my voice. Please, I have a nasally no, tone. It's a serious issue. Get it taken care. Of, seek a sec call a local hospital, see if there's anybody that has an eating disorder program, and get involved with it. Because it, uh, I, I basically am kind of like anorexic. Yeah, it's anorexia bulimia, and uh, and people die from that. It's a very serious but condition. I think it would take a long time. It, to die? Yeah. It does take a long time. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. however, uh, you don't know when you're going to get... For, for instance, the electrolyte disturbances can cause sudden rhythm disturbances or dysfunction of the heart muscle that can be very sudden and very devastating. Tina, well, who the hell... Even if you're going to die when you're, you know, 55, you want to go through your whole life bulimic? No, no. All right. <laughs> All right. Did your mom make you take ballet lessons when you were a child? No, definitely not. <laughs> I'm not a ballet child. No dance classes? Nothing. No pushy parents? No. Oh, it's kind of refreshing to have someone who's screwed up just on their own. No, the other, the other way you get there is having been abused. Uh, Tina? Perfectionist. Were you abused? No, but I'm just, I always want to be perfect. I want right. to look perfect. It's just. Yeah. yeah that's why we were going the ballet route. Is that where that's yeah. where that that's where that comes from, is your parents being intruding into your life and requiring you to perform in a way that, that becomes perfection. All right, everyone give up being perfect uh, perfect. Yeah. It's really it's not worth it. Uh, unless you are try perfect. very hard to. Unless you are perfect. Yeah. You know okay. I mean if it comes easily, okay, be I think perfect. You should strive to Right, give but up I, perfectionism. I, I there was a time when I cared Every about, day. you know, hygiene and appearance <laughs> and, and all kinds of stuff. And I you know what? I said, you know, I'm so um I'm so down to earth. I'm so in touch with myself <coughs> now that I'm not even going to shower. Mm, beautiful. Mm. I threw all the deodorant and the Metamucil in the same bucket, and I said, be gone. Keep the toilet paper in your house, mm. right? Okay.
and began to float up and wave. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank uh, Dwight Yoakam for coming in and being so gracious tonight. It was our pleasure. Thank you both. It was a pleasure, and, and I enjoyed it. And thank you for uh, for playing so much off the album. Uh, it is our pleasure, and you're welcome back anytime you see fit. Thank you. You do not need another project to plug, although when the Christmas album comes <laughs> out, come on Christmas, October in uh, 97. If you're empowered to make that invitation, I'll accept. I uh, offer you an open invitation to anywhere that I am. Okay. All right? That's Even if I'm on the crapper in a, a, bu a bus depot in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, right. you are, you're more than welcome to come in and help me I out. I won't take you up on that. This concludes another PodcastOne.com program.